When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 27 of the Pitch to Contact podcast, part of the Twins Talk Network. I'm your host, Ben Jones, and I'm joined by my co-host, once again, John Cub. We're back together. John, how has your time away been? Well, uh, the Twins were able to clinch the AL Central, so clearly it was right. pretty pretty solid. But um, it was yeah, it was just nice to take a vacation, get, a, get that uh, time away from work is obviously nice but i also just time away from baseball which was a little tough because a lot of my fantasy leagues were wrapping up but it's like once they wrap up then i'm like okay the only thing i truly care about now is the twins and how they're doing so i don't have to care about like the other you know 29 teams in uh in the majors right now yeah i'm going to canada in a couple weeks and i've been frantically looking up how do i watch mlb playoff games in canada and i haven't found a great uh resource so far so far that my best solution might just be uh vpn so it looks like i'm in america but um yeah i've I've been trying to figure that out because i'm like on the off chance that the twins do the impossible and win a playoff game or two Mm -hmm. uh, i'll basically be gone the entire ALDS. I'm like, I'm not missing those games if the <laughs> yeah. Twins are a part of that. So. Right. Yeah, I'm kind of in a situation where it's like, well, I know I, I can't watch the, the Twins games because, you know, blackouts and all that good stuff. Mm, um, yeah. And so I was looking at like, well, what games could I go to? And it's like, oh, man, playoff tickets are <laughs> yeah. stupid expensive. Like, like standing room only for, for game two is like $45 with fees. I'm like, that's just... That's a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> and like, I, well, for the playoff games, there shouldn't be blackouts because they should all be national TV. That's theoretically. true. Theoretically, so, they sh- yeah, that, that should be the case. So, so you should be good for the playoffs at least. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, yeah. Hopefully, it's like, I guess, yeah, it'd be all on ESPN. So, actually, what am I talking about? I guess I'll yeah, I, watch the game. I have uh, YouTube TV and I have MLB.TV. Right. And I don't think either of those work in Canada. And so uh, I'm like just trying to figure out some way I, to uh, be able to catch them up. I there. was able to use MLB TV in Europe. Oh, really? So maybe so that's changed. That might work for you in Canada, but who knows? Yeah. Well, Canada could also be weird because Toronto and all that stuff. Yeah, that's true. You never know. We'll, we'll find out. Maybe the Twins will play the Blue Jays, and then it'll be problem solved. Yeah, so. exactly. Well, no, then you'll have to deal with blackouts. Oh, man. <laughs> MLB just makes it impossible to watch their sports. The The Bally Sports bankruptcy is good oh, for one thing, and that's at least making the game more accessible. So. Yeah, like I'm, I'm, I don't know who the Twins are going to announce as their TV partner, but – it might be the first season since like the whole Bally sports YouTube TV debacle, like a couple of years ago where I yeah. might be able to actually watch like twins games um, legally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. They're uh, I'm curious to see where it all goes, but it does seem like with the uh, teams that have lost their cable providers, MLB's made it a priority to make sure there's not those blackouts. Mm-hmm. So I would imagine any partners going forward, there's going to be that same priority. We can all hope. I've at least been a little lucky being outside of Minnesota. I haven't right. ran into that issue, but mm-hmm. I know for any reasonable person living in Minnesota who doesn't want to pay 200 bucks a month for cable, it's next to impossible. Right. Yep. 
All right. Well, now that we've talked about our cable bills, let's get into the uh, meat of the podcast, which is uh, recapping the games from this week. Uh, a AL Central clinching win, the highlight of it, obviously, but some good stuff uh, that, that we saw throughout this week and some uh, playoff previews, some stuff I think we're going to see in the playoffs as well. So this week, the Twins went four and two. They won their series over the Reds and the Angels and they clinched the AL Central. What else do you want? Um, one thing I'll say about the AL Central that I already said in my Twinkie Town post, if you read that, but if you hadn't, was uh, there's going to be a lot of conversation about, oh, the Twins, they're the best of the worst. It's the worst division in the history of the sport. It's not bad. Well, if you think that, you haven't watched the Twins in the second half. In the second half, the Twins have hit like a championship team and they've continued to pitch like one. And so, yeah, the first half was pretty disappointing. They basically played 500 ball, but the entire second half, I think they paid it, played at like a 96-win pace or something like that. And it's been pretty consistent. It's not like they had two or three really good weeks like the Seattle Mariners and then did nothing besides that. Um, they, they've been really consistent the entire second half. And I feel really, really good. I think as good about a Twins team as I felt going to the playoffs, maybe, you know, in my lifetime. Yeah, I mean, you have to remember, like, at the All-Star break, technically they were half a game behind Cleveland. Yeah. Yep. Um, and as it stands right now, they're nine and a half games ahead of Cleveland. Not to say that Cleveland's been, you know, playing out of their mind as well. They are nine games below 500. But um, basically, the Twins have outpaced the entire AL Central. It, it's not like they've been playing 500 ball and the rest of the AL Central has been bad. They've been, yeah, been been playing some yeah. excellent baseball. They've been uh, taking some wins against difficult teams like the Rangers. They've been basically uh, doing what they had to do against their AL Central uh, opponents. And overall, it's been a pretty positive a uh, couple of months. Yeah. And I, and I would bet too, you know, there's the conversation like, Oh, the worst team in the AL East is better than the best team in the AL central. Well, that's not the case anymore. That's not really particularly close to being the case anymore. And uh, I would bet when we're all said and done at the end of uh, next week, that the twins have a better record than uh, at least one of the wildcard teams, if not two of them, uh, obviously they're not going to pass the Rays or the Orioles, but um, they're, they're good, right? They're, they're, are they like world beating Atlanta Braves good? No, they're not. Nobody is. But um, yeah, no, they, this is a good team that I think deserves a little bit more respect than they've gotten from some people outside of Minnesota. And I think that they're set up really well to make some noise with Pablo Lopez and Sonny Gray leading the charge, like we've been saying, you know, for the last three months, essentially. Yeah, like there's going to be the talk of they're going to be the worst team in the playoffs, right? And right now, if you look at the records, they technically are but it's only by one game. Right. Um, so uh, yeah, e even if they end up having the worst record out of the six teams in the AL, um, I don't think that means that any, sh anyone should be counting them out to not get a two Oh sweep in right. the, uh, in the first series. Well, I just, just look at the kind of vibes around the teams going into the last week of the season here. So the Astros just got swept by the Royals yep. uh, to fall two and a half out of the AL West race. And now they're barely clinging on to the last wild card spot. The Mariners just got swept by the Rangers to let the Rangers jump up. Most likely one of those two teams are going to be who the twins play. Yep. And so just in terms of like momentum and how the teams are going, the twins are in a much better spot than either of uh, those two guys. The Astros, especially have had a really tough time on the pitching front. The Mariners, basically seem like they had that really good three, four weeks and haven't really done much outside of that. So mm -hmm. yeah. Um, I, yeah, I, I think the twins should be favored and will be favored for whoever they end up facing coming into the playoffs here. Right. Yeah. And we'll talk about a little bit later in the pod about the whole playoff 
scenarios. But yeah, for now, I think it's safe to say that the Twins are not going to be an underdog going into the playoffs. Yeah, absolutely. Let's get into our games here. We uh, secured a 500 record on the season, at least if they win every, if they lose every single game from here on out, they still will be at least 500 or above. Uh, I don't think that's going to be the case because they play Oakland and Colorado. So they should be in a pretty good spot, even if they're running out the uh, hangover lineup like they did yesterday. Um, and yeah, we'll, we'll get into the wild card scenarios who they might end up playing everything like that. But there's a, there's a lot going on for twins fans to look at, to watch outside of the twins this week. Uh, in fact, starting tomorrow when Houston and Seattle play each other. Uh, but yeah, moving into the game recaps, then um, we're going to start with the Cincinnati series. Uh, we'll try to go through these game recaps pretty quick because let's be honest, uh, playoff talk is a lot more interesting than uh, <laughs> the last six games of, of this yeah. schedule. But yeah, the first game was a 7-3 loss. Uh, probably the only, only notable thing was that Joe Ryan was the starter here. Five innings, five hits, four runs, three walks and five strikeouts. Um, basically, it's been it's been tough for Joe Ryan. Um, I'll talk about his his um his stats a little bit later but basically uh the walks didn't help in this one um two batters who got walked ended up getting runs as well his velocity was down a tick again which it was a couple starts ago um and yeah it just hasn't been it hasn't looked too pretty for him uh and that's maybe a little worrying um he did kind of come back in today's angels game so we'll talk about that in a little bit so yeah joe ryan it's kind of he is going to be the game three starter based on the, the moves that the twins have made in yeah. terms of who's going to the bullpen mm-hmm. and things like that. But it's kind of a, it's not Cy Young level Joe Ryan that we're going to be getting uh, come October. Uh, but maybe that's kind of enough. Um, we'll see uh, with the, with the bats only three runs here, but uh, Royce Lewis and Kirilov both got homers in this one. Um, but ultimately the big story from this game was Carlos Correa, um, he felt a pop in his foot while running the first base in the first inning um, and basically tore uh, the fascia in his uh, that that was connecting. I think it's like the heel to the the ball of his foot, essentially. I'm not an anatomy expert. Couldn't tell you. Yeah. Basically, he tore something. He tore his, something in his foot. And yeah. that was bothering him all year. Yeah. And basically, it's he he described the pain as like basically getting stabbed in the foot. Um, but then for some reason, like apparently this type of injury is like kind of a positive thing, actually. Um, other players who've had similar injuries, um, Jonathan India was an example, um, have come back from a, 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 this type of injury saying that they felt less pain from plantar fasciitis after it heals. The only question, of course, is how quickly will it heal? But it sounds like the twins are actually pretty optimistic about the timetable here. Yeah, it's. Uh, it sounds like at this point, it's mostly a matter of pain management for Correa. It's not going to get worse. Yep. And so uh, he's going to be playing in the playoffs. I know uh, he was giving some interviews this week where he was saying he was feeling good. He wanted to play. And so the twins were a little happy. They put him on the injured list. Yeah. Uh, basically, just keep him off, keep him out of the lineup for sure. But uh, yeah, I, he'll be in there game one. I'm positive. He's a, he's a competitor. He's as tough as they come. And um, yeah, no, Correa is one of the best hitters in the history of the playoffs. So Mm -hmm. uh, whether or not he struggled, he's a good presence to have in there in the middle of your lineup. Right. And I think just having sort of that veteran presence. um, Yeah. I mean, you know, they've got guys like Christian Vasquez, who obviously won the World Series last year. He won Um, it twice because he won one with uh, the Red Sox as well. That's true. Yeah. Yep. Just right before that as well. Um, But there really isn't a lot of other players on this team with 
notable playoff experience. Um, Like the twins have obviously been to the playoffs in the last five years, but um, they haven't really done much (laughs) in those trips. So uh, even guys like Buxton who, who have been to the playoffs, they they don't exactly have like the deep experience that Correa and Vasquez um, have had even Ketamaeda, right. As, as a pitcher, he's obviously had a ton of experience in, in those um, arenas. So it's, yeah, it's just nice to have those guys around um, when, when October rolls around. Yeah, but a lot of the veterans that have been around, they're, they've been at the Twins, which means they haven't won a playoff game, right? Exactly. It's Polanco, Kepler, Buxton, none of them. They've had long and all fairly good careers, but none of them have ever even won a playoff game. And so right. having Correa, Vasquez, Maeda, Sonny Gray as well, who have been there before and made some runs, uh, that I think that's going to be uh, a big help for the team because – you know, like it or not, it is a little bit of a different game in the playoffs. The nerves are heightened. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you saw Duran talking about the uh, clinching win yeah. on the day, saying that he struggled because he had never been in a situation like that where the nerves have been that high. And that's how right. it's going to be for the majority of these players. We've talked a lot about the young guys and the rookies, how they've carried the team. Well, this mm-hmm. is going to be a whole new beast for them. And so having some of those uh, vets that have been there before, I think will be helpful for them. Yeah. Well, moving on to game two, this was a 7-0 victory. Uh, speaking of Kenta Maeda, he went five innings with one hit, one walk, and eight strikeouts on this one. Pretty much all his pitches were working. The splitter was getting whiffs. The slider was getting called strikes, as it has been this entire year. Pretty much exactly what you want from Maeda. Of course, the big story here with him, uh, the Twins announced on Sunday today that they're going to move him into the bullpen, uh, which basically confirms their plan for the playoff rotation that Joe Ryan likely is going to be the game three starter and Maeda will either work in sort of a piggyback or maybe like a one inning uh, role, depending on how the twins want to use him uh, kind of similar to maybe what Louis Varland is, is doing right now. But uh, yeah, basically Maeda is not going to be starting in at least the first series. Um, yeah. And if they reduce him down to a one inning role, uh, depending on what they do, they, they said they're going to try to get him some bullpen action this week. Um, and so depending on how they use him, we'll uh, sh- kind of show their hand on what they're hoping uh, or ho- how they're hoping to use Maeda come playoff time. Yeah. If this was the last start of Kenta's uh, season, it was a really good one, right? He, he had everything working. He went, you know, it was about as deep as you would expect Kenta Maeda to go at this point of his career. Yep. And uh, yeah, no, I think the twins making the decision, obviously it puts Joe Ryan into that game three spot. Mm-hmm. The good news is if the twins get to a game three or any situation where Joe Ryan would be starting a playoff game, that means they won at least one. So <laughs> um, that that's the good news. I think the other thing here is if they're going with, uh, stuff over results with Ryan, where mm-hmm. uh, Ryan clearly has better stuff than Kenta Maeda. He gets a lot more whiffs, strikeouts, everything like that. Uh, the results haven't been as good. Kenta's gotten better results. The stuff hasn't been that good. And so um, I, th- I think they're trusting Ryan a little bit more over that. And yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see if we get a full Joe Ryan start, if we get to game three, or mm-hmm. if it's a two, three inning, and then you go to Maeda, Varlin, Paddock, something like that instead. Right. And part of the Part of the reality here, too, is that Maeda has done this role before. Yeah. Like, he has pitched out of the bullpen. Um, it would be kind of weird to ask Joe Ryan, who's been a starter his entire career. Yeah, I, don't, I don't think he's ever pitched out of the bullpen Right, to, to kind of change his um, his routine. So, even if you only put – if you only commit to putting Joe Ryan in for, let's just say, five innings, right? Yeah. This still – it's at least something that he's comfortable with and that he's used to in the playoffs. And it's like, you don't want to introduce as little variables as possible. So even if this is kind of in the detriment of results, so to speak, by, by putting Kenta in the bullpen, um, it's ultimately more about familiarity with the role. Yeah. And that, well, that's what Joe Ryan can at least offer you as a starter. 
Right. And you can look at uh, Louis Varlin for another example of that, right? Mm-hmm. They took like a month basically transitioning him into a reliever because yeah. Louis Varlin's starter his whole life probably had never pitched out of the bullpen once in his entire baseball career. Mm-hmm. And so um, this, you know, is a thing that they take time on. They make sure players are com- comfortable with it because pitching especially is such a mental game that anything that messes with your uh, routine there can throw you off. If you want another example of this, I don't know if you saw the Yusei Kikuchi thing from this last week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. About how he, so if you didn't see it, he usually gets 14 hours of sleep uh, before every start he makes, which is just frankly an absurd amount of sleep. That's probably more than double than I get on a usual night. But um, yeah, he said that in a recent start where he struggled is because he only got 10 or 11 hours instead of 14. And so you can see right there, just an example of pitchers, how superstitious they are with everything. Yeah. Uh yeah, I don't think any of the twins are going to be that nitpicky about their preparation before a game, but uh, you never yeah, know. Yeah, you never know. I guess. Yeah, it is. It's kind. It is kind of a reality that you have to deal with. So, yeah. Um. Yeah. So moving Kenta into double pen, we'll see how that works out for the twins and how they use him, whether that's in a piggyback role, um, or as more of a one inning reliever. Yeah. The other uh, factor here I want to mention too with Maeda moving to the bullpen is it's also showing their hand for if they do advance and they need to add that fourth starter. Mm-hmm. seems like that'll be over at this point then. Right. And they'll keep Maeda out of the pen because if they wanted Maeda to be that fourth guy, I imagine they'd still keep him starting regardless. Right. Yeah. They wouldn't have had Bailey announced as the next starter. So right. To speak. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, well, this was a 7-0 victory. So obviously the bats came alive in this one. Uh, after a game with only six base runners in that first game of the series, uh, the Reds decided to have a bullpen game, and so the Twins responded in kind by getting 19 base runners, 11 hits, and 8 walks. Uh, Jeffers and Willie Castro both homered, and Julian Polanco and Walner added RBIs as well. Uh, notable thing here, too, Kepler got on base three times in this game and scored twice. Uh, pretty much after a mini slump at the beginning of September, he's been on a roll um, in terms of getting hot and getting on base. And as much as you know, we like to harp that small sample sizes aren't everything, we are coming closer and closer to October. And th- it's nice to be hot, basically, uh, d- as yeah. the postseason comes around. Yeah, let's give a let's give a special shout out to Willie Castro too, has maybe been the Twins' best hitter since coming off of the injured list or paternity list, whichever one he was on last. Um, he's been just incredible, which is maybe even more important with Royce Lewis missing some time here. Right. Yeah. It it doesn't sting as much, I guess. Yeah. Um, and he's been a demon on the speed on the bases as well in terms of getting steals and things like that. So. Um, yeah, he's been kind of showing that he's, he's fully back and fully healthy, which is good to see. I mean, what an incredible minor league signing, right? To get that out of a guy who wasn't maybe even going to make the roster out of spring training. And, yep. You know, we kind of made jokes about it before. Like, oh, he leads the uh, team in wins above replacement for position players. He doesn't yeah. anymore, but like he did for a significant portion of the season. Mm-hmm. That's a little bit of a bad thing to do with the twins, but also you got to give Willie credit. He's had the best season of his career and he's, I mean, it's not just the offense, right, which kind of comes and goes, but it's the running, mm-hmm. like you mentioned, and then the defense. He's played center field, third base. He's played some second, some short, lots of left and right, and he's defended really well everywhere he's played. Yeah, uh, like I think he he robbed two homers, right? In was it this series or was it the the White Sox series? Uh, it was the, it was this series. I believe. It was this series, right? Yeah. yeah. So it, it's he's been yeah he's been impressive in defense, even as much. Uh, as we like to harp on his uh, like ability in defense, like the routes he takes. Um, like there was one impressive play where he was he took a weird route in yeah. left field and then started slipping on the warning track. Still managed to to uh, make the catch, get the out, and then popped up immediately and was able to throw the ball the ball back into the infield. So athletic guys make athletic plays, right? Yeah, I mean, it's, so I mean, it's to the point too where obviously the Royce Lewis injury has kind of completely changed 
everything for the twins heading into the playoffs here. But if everybody was healthy, I think there was a legitimate chance that he starts in center field over Michael A. Taylor at this point that he's played that well. So it's pretty incredible. Yeah. I, Willie Castro for sure has been such an X factor in this, this team. So yeah. Um, shout out to him. Uh, and then just a little blip about the relievers, Funderburg, Pagan, Fieldbar, and Floro uh, finished out the game to preserve the shutout. Um, it'll be interesting to see what the bullpen looks like come playoff time. And we'll talk about that uh, later in the podcast. Yeah. Um, but of course the unfortunate part about this game was Royce Lewis straining his hamstring. Um, the MRI, uh, he took an MRI like two days later, which was kind of like infuriating for, I'm sure for a lot of twins fans. Cause it's <laughs> yeah. like, what's wrong with Royce? And it's like, well, we're yeah. not going to figure it out for another two days. Um, and basically he was diagnosed with a grade one plus strain, which isn't necessarily the best case scenario. The best case scenario would be a grade one strain, but essentially the timetable for that is, you know, a week ish. Um, yeah. What, what I found was grade one tends to be like one to two weeks. That's mm-hmm. Michael A. Taylor's injury. He just went on the injury list for, it's like, Oh, he's just a little rusty. Let's let him sit and yeah. heal up. Uh, grade two is more like one to two months. And so them calling this grade one plus maybe puts it more in the two week time table, mm-hmm. which means it would be, um, you know, aggressive for Royce to be back in time. But if there's one thing we know about know about Royce Lewis, it's that he's a quick healer. So he yeah. came back from both ACLs very, very fast. Yep. Um, even that oblique injury he had earlier this year, he came back pretty quick from it relatively. Mm-hmm. Um, and so hopefully, you know, the training staff can work some of their magic and he can get back and play because he has been the Twins' best player full stop when he's been playing. Yeah, they, they missed him during a lot of bases loaded situations during the past few <laughs> games. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Um, yeah, so obviously we'll, we'll, we'll see how that impacts the playoff roster and we'll talk about that later in the podcast. Uh, finally, the last game of the Cincinnati series, five, three victory. Bailey Oper, uh, was a starter in this one, five innings, three hits, two earned runs, three walks and three strikeouts. Uh, basically that's, that line's not super pretty except for the fact that he only gave up two runs. So ultimately you'll take that, um, again, real baseball is not the same thing as fantasy baseball. As long as he gives you a chance to win the game, that's all that truly matters. Um, yeah. And yeah, the, I guess the interesting thing here I, I found was his fastball was not very effective, but the slider was kind of successful. But the main thing with Ober, I guess, is his his big thing is location, location, location. And that's kind of what worked for him. His fastball and changeup were playing off each other really well. Um, so at least that limited the damage. Uh, you hate the three walks. You hate that he only had three strikeouts, but you love the fact that he only gave up two in runs. So we'll take that. Yeah, I mean, I think this is why they're going with Bailey Ober for that game four, potentially, mm-hmm. uh, you know, once you get further into playoffs is he doesn't really have bad starts. He has starts that aren't great, yeah. but he usually gives you a chance to win when he's out there. Right, exactly. And so you'll take that, especially if you have some guy like Kenta Maeda who can piggyback off him. Yeah. So, and I mean, frankly, at this point, we're, we're being picky, right? Like, yeah. And, and that's what you do when you get to the playoffs, right? The fact that Joe Ryan or Bailey Ober isn't perfect. I mean, the twins have five, maybe six options to start playoff games that mm-hmm. maybe I would put over anybody, but Jose Barrios in 2019, you know, <laughs> like the gray and Lopez, I put over him for sure. And then yep. the other three, you know, it's maybe a toss up. And so, um, it, it's just leaps and bounds, such a different team from, you know, that 2019, 2019 team that I think was the last time twins fans really felt pretty confident about a team heading into the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, as much as, you know, I don't really want to knock um, knock the Twins pitching uh, back in the day, 
uh, they were dealing with some injuries. So it's it's notable why their last trip to the playoffs wasn't really that great pitching wise. But you will not see a bullpen game this this time around. No. <laughs> and you will not see a former Uber driver start uh, start a game either in this. You won't see uh, Brian Dunsing. There won't be anything like that. It's going to be a real solid, good, big league starter. No. Yeah. Uh, Kyle Gibson, Martin Perez, nothing like that. Yeah. Uh, Matt Shoemaker. <laughs> oh, what a guy. Yeah. Uh, anyways, uh, let's talk about some hitting in this one. Uh, basically, the Twins' offense was like non-existent until the ninth inning. Uh, they were down three-two, and uh, going into the ninth, it felt like, well, they might just lose this one because you know they love losing game threes. Um, and then maybe we'll we'll uh, figure it out in the Angel series and, and clinch there. Uh, but yeah, Willie Castro ended up getting on base, kind of continuing his his hot uh, hot September, and then he stole hot second. Six. And then he advanced a third on a throwing error, which was really yeah. impressive from him. Uh, and then so that just allowed a Kyle Farmer single to tie the game 3-3. Then Christian Vasquez got a walk. Then the Twins executed a double steal with two of the slower dudes on the team. And Kyle yeah, Farmer, the classic Farmer-Vasquez double steal. Yeah, just, which was hilarious. Very um, weird, but whatever. Yeah, and then so I guess uh, Cincinnati was like, okay, we'll just intentionally walk Jeffers, which I thought was a little bit of a weird move. Bringing up Jorge Polanco, who got the game-winning hit, scored two runs. Uh, yeah, that's that's what led to the 5-3 victory. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. Ryan Jeffers has been good this year. He's probably been a little lucky this year, but I can't imagine a scenario where you want to face Jorge Polanco over Ryan Jeffers, even against the lefty. Jorge Polanco is hitting over 300 against lefties this year. Mm-hmm. Ryan Jeffers is not. And so yeah. uh, when you're just trying to keep a guy off the bases, keep him from getting a hit, I don't know why that decision was made mm-hmm. and maybe that's why the reds are on the outside looking in at the playoffs right now so. yeah <laughs> i think their magic number is like four or something like that so they still have a shot but it's a very outside shot yeah the uh it was this was the most impressive win of this series for me obviously 7-0 is nice but really battling back and battling back against alexis diaz who'd been one of the best closers in baseball this yeah. year mm-hmm. only had three blown saves he has some nasty nasty stuff not not quite as good as uh, edwin diaz his brother but mm-hmm. still up there yeah and so um, yeah, battling back against that guy, the small ball with Willie Castro, the bunt single and the steal, and then uh, Jorge Polanco coming up big once again, like he tends to do over and over again. I mean, it's to the point now, too, where we talked earlier about how, you know, come the offseason, Jorge Polanco is kind of the odd man out mm-hmm. uh, of the infield mix with Lewis and Julian and eventually Lee making his way up. He might be playing his way back in. So, yeah, I'm still I'm still thinking he stays on the team, but yeah. I also see a lot I, I of reasons he why he doesn't. Yeah. I mean, especially you still have that DH spot theoretically if Buxton moves back into the field somewhere. And so, um, yeah, no, it's $10 million on a one-year option. That's a great deal for a player like Polanco. And Mm -hmm. with the injury history of Lewis and, you know, Julian kind of having some ups and downs, it's good to just have another guy that can fill those positions. Right. Yeah. Talking about the relievers in this one, it, the interesting thing here was Duran was used in the eighth and Jackson in the ninth, but that's really only because the Twins were down 3 2. Uh, pretty much a low, uh, low intensity sort of, you know, opportunity for Duran to get some work because he hadn't pitched in three days. Yeah. Of course, then when the Twins ended up going up, up 5 3, then you had to send in, you know, your, your next guy to save the game. And that's why they sent in Jackson in the ninth. But both guys, um, you know, got some clean innings in, which was good to see, yeah. um, especially after some, well, let's just say struggles that both pitchers have had uh, over the past couple months. Yeah, Jack struggled to throw some strikes at first, but then he buckled down, got out of it. And so no harm, no foul. Exactly. 
Um, so yeah, that was that was the Cincinnati series, and it set it up for the Twins to potentially clinch at home, but uh, not before the uh, Guardians almost choked their way into clinching yeah. the Twins clinching on the off day. That's true because they couldn't. Was it the Royals or the? A's they were playing is one of those horrible teams and they just could not stop losing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, both the guardians, I think, I think the situation was the guardians and Detroit both had to lose. I think. Yeah. And I think it was Detroit that saved the twins. It, yeah. The guardians lost, but Detroit beat the Dodgers ironically. Right. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's what kept the twins from clinching on their off day. Yeah. Basically let's just say um, the, it was never in doubt that the twins were going to clinch. <laughs> it was just at this point when they were going to. Yeah, and it's more fun to clinch at home in front of the fans and everything, and we'll talk about that here in a sec. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, the Angel Series, uh, Game 1, 8-6 win. Uh, this was the clincher. Uh, very appropriate, I think, that Pablo Lopez was the game, was the starter in this one, seeing as he's likely the Game 1 starter uh, when the playoffs roll around. Um, he went six innings with five hits, three in runs, one walk, and seven strikeouts. Really, other than a rocky fifth inning, um, where he gave up four hits and one walk leading to those three runs. He was stellar for pretty much all five other innings that he pitched. The slider was particularly deadly, but his changeup and four-seamer were on point. Um, and I think just a big part about Pablo Lopez's game this season is the introduction of that slider. Um, it has, yeah. I, I don't know, it's not necessarily a correlation, but his changeup just hasn't been, been as good this season. Um, but that new slider has really been a good addition to his pitch mix and allowed him to be um, just a little bit more uh, multidimensional than he has in the past. Yeah, he uh, has 220 something strikeouts this year, I believe. His previous career high was 176. And yeah. so, um, you know, that sweeper slider has really taken him to the next level. And it's easy to see with the pitch mix, too. That changeup used to use so much to same handed pitchers, which mm -hmm. same handed changeups just aren't good pitches, yep. uh, even for a changeup as good as Pablo's. He basically just subbed those all out for sweepers, and now he's one of the best pitchers in the AL. Yeah, so, exactly. Um, the Twins identified uh, that as a weakness, fixed it, and did exactly what they were trying to do with Pablo, which is really impressive. Uh, not to harp on Luis Arise again, but uh, <laughs> did you see what happened to Luis today, unfortunately? No. I mean, I did see he had a two-homer game last, I think it was last week, uh, which was kind of ridiculous, but I didn't see what happened to him today. So he had been having some ankle issues. It's the end of the year. This is what happens to Luis Arise every single year. Sure. Um, but then the other day when uh, it was towards the end of the game, the closer was coming in, the lights came down, you know, the whole dramatic introduction for the closer for the yeah. Marlins. Mm -hmm. On his way down the stairs, he tripped and he twisted his ankle. Oh, no. Um, and now he, he missed the game today, and it's questionable if he's going to play at all the rest of this year, which is obviously huge for the Marlins as they're fighting for that last playoff spot in the NL. But yeah, um, kind of unfortunate timing there for Luis. Yeah. Well, at least he's going to win the NL batting title. So there's definitely. Um, <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, actually, I was looking at his stats, I think, last week, and um, he's played the same number of games that he did last year, I think, as a as a twin. So at least the health hasn't been too bad. But yeah, I guess it just came back to bite him. Uh, yeah, this it's week. I'm, we've talked about this before, but again, you got to give Falvey credit here, right? They're, I think they've made a lot of mistakes along the way, but mm -hmm. they identified a position where they had a lot of depth. Uh, basically, they're like, Edward Julian, we think you can replace Luis Arise yeah. and he hasn't gotten the hits but his on base percentage has been even better he's yeah. been slugging better and they've been exactly right right and his defense honestly is probably on the same level as Arise anyway mm -hmm. and so they traded from his position of strength to to address a position of weakness and now they got a game one starter for the playoffs what else do you need yeah exactly uh 
looking at the bats here, um, just to preface, the Angels are a garbage team. Um, they have no good players. They, they <laughs> legit, not I, at this point. I was texting a friend today who he's a he's a diehard Angels fan, and I was telling him like, yeah, the Angels are kind of like a quad A team, and he's like, that's that's generous to call them a quad A team. Like, like that's let's let's be honest, the pitching yeah. is non-existent, um, and so I mean. Even even the hitters, right? They have their most like exciting guys are Zach Neto and Nolan Shanuel, their first round picks from the last two years, yeah. who are maybe a little bit overmatched. And so right now they're kind of like league average ish hitters, and everybody else is just hot garbage. Yeah, I mean, Randall Grichuk has been leading the team, I think, in OPS for yeah a, a, for a month or so. Um, yeah, so needless to say, this team is bad. Uh, so I was really hoping that you know the Twins would at least show up in this series, and they at least did in in this game uh, in the clincher. Uh, the Twin the the Angels essentially had a bullpen game. They had some dude called Davis Daniel pitch for four plus innings. So I guess he never heard of him exactly. Um, so <laughs> yeah, they the funny thing about this one is actually the Twins managed to have more walks than hits because of how bad the pitching was. Uh, ten ten walks to seven hits, and they actually walked in two runs on in two separate innings, which is pretty impressive. Uh, but they finally blew the game open in the seventh inning, scored four runs there. Um, there wasn't like any notable, like, oh, it was like a three run home or something like that. They just yeah. kind of chipped away at the Angels, and that, yeah, that, that got them to uh, an eight three lead, I believe. Um, and then the bullpen decided to come and make the game a little bit interesting. Thielbar gave up a two run homer to make the game eight five. And then, like you mentioned, Duran came in in the ninth, and it was kind of a you know, a new situation for him where, you know, the nerves were high. He, it's a, you know, you save the game and you clinch the AL, you don't. And well, I guess, you know, now you're known as the guy who blew the save in the most important game of the, the season. So and then you clinch it later that night anyway, but it, it's not as exciting. Exactly. Yeah. So he did give up a run. He did load the bases. So the angels actually did have an opportunity to tie or lead the game in the ninth. Um, but thankfully he did induce a ground out to finish the game. The pitch was not very well located. If you saw it was 102 mile an hour fastball, pretty much, uh, right down the middle. Um, yeah. and, uh, thankfully the guy topped it and, uh, yeah, it was a ground out to finish the game. If you're going to throw it right down the middle, do it 102 miles an hour. That's know, true. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> that, that's probably the best pitch you can throw it down the middle if you're going to. Yeah, exactly. So, um, but yeah, that was ended up in an eight, six victory. Twins clinch the AL Central. Um, just a honestly a really fun atmosphere, I think, for the entire team to be able to clinch it. Uh, first division title since 2020. Um, and yeah, it was clearly a party in the clubhouse afterwards. Yeah, a party in the clubhouse that uh, led to a day game the next day that was not super exciting. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I uh, stayed up late, had a few drinks myself, watched the. Uh, uh, playoff celebration that they did on Bally Sports. It was it was some good stuff. Guys having fun and just you know good to kind of get the monkey off the shoulders. I think after last year and really falling apart down the stretch, mm-hmm. being able to follow through this time and play your best baseball at the end of the year. Yeah, who knew Kenta Maeda was such a big partier? <laughs> um, listen, when you're with the Dodgers, you just win so often. I think it comes naturally. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. He's just used to it. It's like, I have to bring this. I have to bring this energy. to. I got to show these guys how it's done. Right. Exactly. Carlos Correa, like immediately got shirtless, I think, which was kind of hilarious. It's <laughs> like he, he wasn't even playing, but he was like, no, I'm going to go hard today. So um, listen, they, they deserve it. You know, 
loosen up, have some fun. They're spraying beer, champagne everywhere. It was really funny. Pablo Lopez jumped, dumped a couple beers on top of uh, Audra Martin yeah. while yeah. she was doing the interviews. Yeah. She was a good sport about it. She was having fun. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> just little things like that. And then, and of course, everybody then has to get up for the noon game. It was noon here. I think it was one in Minnesota yeah. Uh, yeah. the next day. Well, it was, yeah. So it was a 1 p.m. game. It was like a cloudy day. Just like, no, just not, not, just not a great day to play baseball yeah. essentially. And so, which also, by the way, Sonny Gray started this game, right? Yeah. Um, obviously they're trying to keep everybody on schedule. So they're lined up for the playoffs. Yeah. But this sucks for Sonny having to pitch oh, the my morning yeah. after this, you know, cause starting pitchers, they start their work, you know, three, four hours before the game. Yeah. And so, um, having to get up early, you know, it's like, this is the perfect opportunity for a Dallas Keuchel spot start. Right? Yeah. The game doesn't matter. You're probably going to lose it anyway, as evidenced by the uh, lineup you run out there. But yeah, uh, they wanted to keep Sunday on schedule, and Sunday was very, very good to his yeah. credit. Yeah, he went six innings, four hits, one and run, eight strikeouts. The only blemish was a solo homer to Joe Adele. Other than that, fastball was doing work, got plenty of called strikes. Um, the lack of whiffs is a little worrying. He only had, I think, I think on his secondaries, he only had three whiffs um, on the day. And so I think that led to like a 6% swinging strike rate or something like that. His average is like 12%. But again, he was probably working on limited sleep. Um, probably his <laughs> yeah. his warm up schedule wasn't very good, and he still managed eight stri- strikeouts. So I really can't blame him for kind of a a meh day. Um, yeah, he was getting a lot of uh, looking strikes for whatever reason. The Angels just weren't really yeah. swinging. The amount of and call so, strikes he got was like actually a little insane. Yeah, so that that contributes to the uh, strikeouts, despite the lack of whiffs for for sure. Right, but, like he got I think like out of the eight, I think maybe six of them were called strikes uh like finish the strikeout with called strikes which is like crazy um like who's not swinging in a two strike count but yeah that worked for him yeah yeah sonny sonny will get this one last start here against oakland to kind of tune up look fresh and everything i'll be curious to see how long uh pablo and sonny go in these you know it's more like a three four inning type of thing mm-hmm. but uh yeah he was fine he was good i do want to call out a couple things really quick which is right before we started recording this pod uh, I saw a tweet from Driveline talking about Sonny Gray's sinker and how it's one of uh, the best pitches in the game. I didn't watch the video because that's not true. Um, the, well, it's a pitch that he's used like maybe 6% of the time. Like, Right. The the big <laughs> reason he's been better this year is because he's dropped the usage of it. He's basically <laughs> swapped his uh, sweeper and sinker usage. And that's part of why he's taken a big step forward this year from last. And so – I. Obviously, I didn't watch the video and maybe they talk about some other stuff I'm not aware of. But like I was just looking on uh, Baseball Savant right before this and Mm -hmm. it's by every conceivable metric his worst pitch. (laughs) So um, I was just very baffled by that. But also it's another thing where it's like whether it was Sonny, whether it was Driveline, whether it was uh, Rocco Baldelli, whether it was Pablo Lopez talking to Sonny Gray. They found something. They reduced sinker. They added splitter or they added sweeper. And Sonny Gray looks like a much better pitcher from somebody who was already a pretty good pitcher last year. Yeah. I'll clarify. Cause I'm looking at the stats right now. He doesn't throw at 6%. It's 16%. Yeah. But that's but down still from down 26% from the, last yeah. year. It was his most, his second most used pitch behind his fastball. And now I think it's his third or fourth. Yeah. Well, it's his fourth best. Cause yeah, his curveballs at third, at th- uh, his third best, his third most thrown pitch. His slider use has just gone up from 11% to 20%. And that's really been the big kicker here. Swinging strike rate on that specific pitch, 15% to 22%. Really, his his slider is what's really improved this year. Um, like, if you really want to get into the nerdy nerdy stuff, like I I sometimes will do. Um, that pitch 
um, has it's kind of stayed the same. The spin rate on it hasn't changed too much. The movement hasn't changed on it too much, but he's using it just more effectively this year. Um, and I know he did go to driveline to work on that slider just a little bit. Um, so maybe that's, I, I don't know what driveline's kind of talking about with the sinker, but his slider yeah. has, has improved by a ton. And so that, that's really been an, an impressive pitch for him. Uh, I just wish his curveball was kind of as good as it was before, but you know, can't have everything, I guess. Nit, nitpicking. I mean, to that same extent, there's little things like this that just kind of drive me crazy around like sports media type of stuff where it's like, if you just spend like 10 minutes looking at the vast swaths of data that you get from Fangraphs or Baseball Savant or all these great places that are completely free, mm -hmm. right? Um, that you could just see that that's not true. The same thing happened today with uh, Tim Laudner talking about Louis Varland and talking about he's got a great fastball. He's got a great changeup. Mm -hmm. Louis Varland doesn't really throw a change. He does throw a changeup, but it's not a very good pitch and he doesn't throw it very often. He's fastball cutter, occasionally a slider. And that that's basically Louis Varland. And so, and especially since he's moved to the bullpen, he, that's basically exclusively what he throws. I mean, that and cutter so, is nasty. I know, which is very impressive because it was pretty bad to start the year as a starter. Yeah. And so, I mean, and there's been some stories about him tweaking it and mm -hmm. uh, adding a little velo on it. But yeah, it's been really, really good, especially out of the bullpen. Right. And I mean, again, I don't really want a nitpick. But in 2020, Sonny Gray's sinker did have a 153 average against. It currently has a 274 average against. Like, it's just not a good yeah. pitch. I know. And oh, it's man. like, maybe if you're talking about 2020, sure, whatever. But that was so long ago, fans weren't allowed in the stadium in 2020. Yeah, like, it's, yeah. Anyway, Sonny Enough Gray about is good, that, yeah. not thanks to his sinker, thanks to his slider and fastball. Mostly. Exactly. Yeah, I wish his curveball was was better, but it is what it is. It's actually about as good as it was last year. It just isn't as it just hasn't been as good recently. So that's that's just my nitpicking. Anyways, one zero game, game two. <laughs> Bats did nothing because they were all hungover. Um, they only got seven base runners, only one magic in a scoring position. The relievers were fine, as evidenced by a 1-0 game. Pagan, Winder, and Floro all had scoreless outings, although, weirdly enough, Floro like, came in just to face one batter because Winder allowed two base runners, and I guess Rocco was like, nope, we got to preserve this 1-0 uh, deficit just so our guys have a chance in the ninth, and so they sent in Floro to kind of prevent any further damage. Um, and yeah, the bats still did nothing in the ninth inning because, again, they were all just sleepwalking. It's all players that frankly shouldn't be playing you know andrew <laughs> stevenson was batting lead off i mean julian was in there a couple other guys but yeah you know it's uh it's not anything to uh to write home about it will not be the playoff lineup is kind <laughs> it, of what we're going with here it will not there's not really any scenario where andrew stevenson should take that bat in the playoffs he might be on the playoff roster to pinch run or play some defense but he shouldn't really take that bat it's the it's the billy hamilton role yeah exactly all right, moving on to game three, 9-3 victory. Joe Ryan, starter in this one, six innings with seven hits, three and runs, zero walks, and 10 strikeouts. Um, again, the secondaries were pretty much non-existent in this game. He got zero whiffs on the secondaries, five called strikes. Um, pretty much his fastball was the only reason why this game didn't blow up as poorly as it could have. Um, he had 15 whiffs on it alone. Unfortunately, the Vila was still down about a tick, um, 0 0.7 miles per hour, really want to be exact. Um, but yeah, prior to the start, basically in his five starts since coming back to the IL, the stats actually aren't too bad. 3.65 ERA, 1.22 whip. That being said, though, I think a lot of us have maybe a little bit of feeling that Joe Ryan hasn't been as good because prior to the Atlanta start, um, when he was at a Cy Young basically level, uh, 2.98 ERA with 0.91 whip. Um, 
So yeah, he is obviously not as bad as he was after that Atlanta start where he was just basically giving out, out homers like they were free candy. But yeah. he um, has kind of stabilized a little bit. The home run rate's down. Um, he's you know pitching pretty solidly. I think the, maybe the one worrying thing is the whip is higher. Um, but at the same time, I can't really, I don't really want to, you know, nibbick too much like, oh, he's not pitching on a Cy Young level. Well, that's fine. You know, not everyone is going to be able to maintain that sort of performance throughout an entire season. This is his only, his second professional season, I think, in terms of yep. in the majors. So yeah, this type of pitching volume, he, he hasn't really hit before. Um, and so, yeah, advanced metric wise, I'm still worried that his velocity is a little bit lower, worried that the secondaries aren't getting any uh, whiffs. Um, and he was facing a pretty terrible team in the Angels in this one. But honestly, having him as a third starter, I'm not that worried about it. Yeah, I've, st- I've started to do some uh, research on potential playoff opponents, right? Mm-hmm. Mostly looking at Houston and Seattle. Uh, I did not realize how bad Houston's pitching situation was behind Framber Valdez. Everybody, oh, including yeah. Justin Verlander, has been pretty poor. Christian and Javier so, kind of, well, he's had good starts and he's had really awful starts. Yeah. Anyway, so... I think any one of these teams would love to take a 3.65 ERA and 1.22 whip. Not Seattle, obviously. Seattle's got their uh, really good trio of starters. But yep. um, Houston would love to have Joe Ryan start game two for them, right? And the Twins can bump him back to game three, and I think that's pretty good. But like you said, the the secondaries here is the biggest concern. The fastball is still getting whiffs. There were some fastballs that he just left middle-middle that got yep. smoked. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you can locate that a little bit better, I think he's still in a good position because – for whatever reason, that fastball is still is just super deceptive and guys can't hit it. Yeah. Um, even with the lower velocity. But part of what made him so good in that first half, what you know, we talked about this quite a bit, was that the secondaries were working. Mm-hmm. The when he threw that complete game shutout that everybody was super impressed by, right? The splitter was the big pitch, right? He was getting whiffs left and right with that thing. And now yeah. um, you know, it just doesn't look that good coming out of the sand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh it was kind of funny because I was at this game and I was sitting next to a guy and I think he had given up maybe a a hit to Neto, and he the guy looks at me and he goes ah i think kenta maeda starting game three i'm like really like <laughs> you're taking kenta over joe ryan he's like yeah i just this guy's giving up too many hits and of course then after the game the twins announced that maeda is going to the bullpen which that was kind yeah. of funny um that, but that, the twins have made it pretty clear for a few weeks now that joe would be starting those third that third game unless everything you know completely imploded right and again 10 called strikes and it wasn't like sunny gray where he uh, sorry 10 strikeouts and it wasn't yeah. like Sonny Gray, where he was getting a, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't want to say bailed out because he was actually locating those pitches pretty well to get those called strikes, but Joe Ryan's actually getting whiffs, right? Like, yeah, this is stuff that's like that's kind of based a little bit more on skill, um, yeah. and so, yeah, it kind of sucks that he's a little bit of a one and a half pitch pitcher right now, but uh, it, if you'll you'll take that in in sort of a, a game three. Yeah, this is uh this is 2022 Joe Ryan, right? Not not first half of 2023 Joe Ryan, where right. he's essentially a one pitch pitcher, and uh, you know with that one pitch, he's a solid mid level rotation type of guy. If he can consistently get two or three or four pitches working, he does have that ace level potential. But mm-hmm. again, that's you know we've been saying that for two years now, and he's had stretches where it works, and right now it's not. And if this is kind of the you know floor or the the floor for bad Joe Ryan, healthy Joe Ryan, I should say, because mm-hmm. unhealthy Joe Ryan was giving up home runs left and right, like you were saying. But if this is the floor for healthy Joe Ryan, it's still pretty good. Yeah, I am not going to complain about it. Uh, yeah. With the offense, again, they were facing, I guess, a 
somewhat of a bullpen game. They were facing some dude called Carson Fulmer uh, <laughs> for multiple innings. And um, I got really confused because I was like, wait, I don't think the White Sox like or I don't think the Cubs traded Michael Fulmer to the to the Angels. And I was trying to figure out who the heck this kid was um, who had Fulmer on the back of his jersey. So apparently yeah, yeah. he had his he had his contract selected today or yesterday, something like that. Brand new. Yeah. Carson Fulmer. Anyway, he was the main pitcher. Uh, he got opened for and then um, basically Angels bad pitchers the offense got to a slow start um they did fall behind three two but then uh in the sixth inning Ryer jeffers basically missed a homer by about a foot um it was right off the top of the uh the, the kind of the center right field wall ended up getting a triple which i was kind of impressed by i didn't realize he had those legs his second um, of the year yeah so he's got that and then trevor larnick batted him in with a ground out made the game four two then there was a length a uh, little bit of a rain delay uh, and then the Twins were like, nah, okay, time to time to put this game out of reach. And they uh, scored five runs in the seventh with uh, two two-run homers from Max Kepler and Ryan Jeffers. Yeah. Um, good game. Some good homers. Yeah. Again, the games don't really matter all that much at this point. It's looking at, you know, does Joe Ryan look like he's good for the playoffs? Are guys hitting the ball hard? Yep. They are for the most part, so that's good. The uh, one thing that – or two things that are interesting here kind of on the offensive side uh, were – I guess this is offense and defense. Jorge Polanco, uh, mm-hmm. starting at third base, and I think giving a little hint for the Twins' plans if uh, Royce Lewis can't go. You know, I've kind of been thinking, writing about that a bit. Of yeah. do they want Polanco over at third? Do they want Castro over at third? Is there mm-hmm. some chance they bring up Brooks Lee? Doesn't look like they'll do that. But I think they would be crazy too, in my opinion. But they did bring up Kirloff in the playoffs, so it, right. It, it's not. I, I think if the they question. got another injury, they would really seriously consider it. Right. Sure. If yeah. Pol- if you know Polanco kind of maybe tweak something on a swing a little bit today, uh, he ended up being okay. But you know, if that was something that's more serious, we don't know if Polanco can go for the playoffs. That's maybe when you make that uh, that move. Sure. But um, anyway. Polanco over at third base. Uh, Buxton was at DH for the Saints today. Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of their plan if Royce Lewis can't go. Frankly, um, if Royce Lewis is healthy and he can play, I don't know if Byron Buxton's in the starting lineup just because then that means you have to take either Polanco or Julian out of the lineup or Kirloff. And I think mm-hmm. I would take any of those guys over injured Byron Buxton. Healthy Byron Buxton, sure, but he's clearly not healthy Byron Buxton. And yeah, so- and I think it also depends on um... – the, the pitcher that they're facing. Yeah, definitely. Um, not saying that just because they're facing a lefty that they would um, take Julian out of the game, but but probably they would. But it, it's, a, <laughs> it's a Rocco thing that he would do. So, yeah. well, yeah. I mean, Julian's hitting like 120 against lefties. He's taken one walk. He has not been good against lefties. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. um, that, that wouldn't be a crazy thing. But, um, you know, it's a good hint for you're facing a right handed starter, Polanco over at third. Um, he looked okay for the most part which i think is the most you can ask for the one play that he didn't make ironically did come back to bite them where he had a kind of hot ground ball over to him at third mm-hmm. tried to turn it to second to turn a double play yeah. made a low throw julian picked it they got the one out but they weren't able to turn two and then a run eventually came around to score because they couldn't turn those two and mm-hmm. so those are the little things that the twins are going to be looking at down the stretch here of you know do we want the offense of both polanco and julian if buxton's in the lineup or do we want the defense of Willie Castro or Cal Farmer? And mm-hmm. I'm glad I don't have to make that decision because I honestly could see it going either way. Yeah. Kyle Farmer made a sick play at shortstop today, though. Kyle Farmer has made a few sick plays at shortstop <laughs> the last couple of days. He, you kind of forget that he was a shortstop most of his life because yeah. he hasn't played short this year with Carlos Correa out there, but mm-hmm. he, he's looked really good. Yeah. that The one play where he basically just kind of, what, floated in the air and sidearmed it at yeah. the same time, was that was really impressive. 
Um, he's a he's a good guy to have the t- on the team. You don't want yeah. him starting every day, but he's an excellent role player. Yeah. Uh, bullpen talk. The only really notable notable thing is that my mortal enemy Chris Paddock uh, warmed <laughs> up, and uh, he was actually ready to come into the seventh. Uh, but then, of course, the rain delay happened, and so the Twins, out of an abundance of caution, was like, "Well, he already warmed up. We don't want to have him like get cold and then have to warm up again." Um, yeah. And so, he which made... given coming off of Tommy John's makes sense. Yep. And so he was still on the scorecard which I thought was hilarious. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, they instead sent in Louis Varlin to pitch in the seventh. And um, th- at the ballpark, uh, those two strikeouts were some of the loudest cheers in the night when Varlin was getting uh, getting those Ks, which, I mean, local kid, obviously, they, they all love him yeah. here. So um, it, yeah, he he still looked really good. Um, and then Dylan Floro and Funderburk, uh, Funderburk uh, finished up the game to yeah preserve the 9-3 victory. And not not Funderburg's best outing. He still has an ERA of one, but it was a hit, a walk, uh, and hit a guy. Didn't yeah, open runs. But. It was dicey, man. Like it, yeah. it was kind of a scenario where like he had gotten he had gotten the two outs, right? And then just could not finish. And um it was also a weird situation because the Angels were trotting out a ton of righties. They didn't have a single lefty. Uh, the one lefty that they had in the lineup, uh, they subbed out for uh old friend uh, Eduardo Escobar. Yeah. And this was like one of those situations where, I mean, I guess they didn't, there wasn't like another righty that they could send in for mop up duty, but basically they put him in the worst possible situation for a lefty reliever. Well, I, I think that's the point, right? Of yeah. if they're trying to figure out if Thunderbird can be on the playoff roster, they want to see if he can get righties out, right? And so yeah. I, I think that was kind of the point. We've talked, we've, we've been talking about how the games don't really matter. This is a prime example of that, right? Um, where you throw Thunderbird out there and see if he can do it. It still feels weird though, because it's like in the playoffs, if you were ever going to use him, you're not going to use him to face a bunch of righties, you know? I mean, probably, but like, you know, maybe you have him, you bring him in to face Jordan Alvarez, right? Well, probably who's hitting right behind Jordan is Alex Bregman. Sure, and so, yeah. you know, you if that's the plan, you know, with the three batter minimum, you got to be able to get some righties out. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I get it, right? But um, Funderburk, more than probably everybody else who's in contention for a playoff roster spot, will mm-hmm. depend pretty strongly on the matchups, right? Yeah. If you want to have him literally just for, there's two outs in the ninth and we need a lefty and we already use Steel Bar. Mm-hmm. You know, that that might be a good reason to have him on the roster. Yeah. Well, speaking of that, let, let's get into that. Let, let's talk about some of the playoff implications here. So mm-hmm. we've mentioned it already where the Twins are locked up. They're going to get the three seed. There's a very small, teeny tiny outside chance they could end up with the two. But it the would... problem is they have to pass all three AL West teams. And since they all play each other this week, it's yeah. basically next to impossible. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so they're pretty much locked in. The games don't matter. Um, they're going to win some, they're going to lose some, the outcomes don't matter. So don't get yourself worked up about those. Um, if you're watching and you're like, Oh, why did they bring in Cole Sands in a one game in a one inning game or one run game of the ninth? Well, Cole Sands is another roster. So I'd have a few questions, but most likely it's because the games don't matter. It's because they wanted to hear, uh, they wanted to hear Darude Sandstorm one more time in the, in the, in the stadium. I mean, who, who can forget, right? <laughs> um, but what, what we're looking for kind of these last, this last week again is, usage right so kenta maeda how are they going to use kenta like you already talked about is it going to be one inning here or there is it going to be three innings you know mm-hmm. what's kind of the plan there um and then to that same extent i would also throw 
uh, Louis Varland into that mix where we've talked about how he's looked so good coming out of the bullpen. Well, he's mostly still been used on like a starters S schedule where he never pitches back-to-back games or two and three. There's always at least three, four or five games in between his appearances. Mm -hmm. And so he pitched one inning today. Can he pitch again on Tuesday? They have an off day tomorrow, but um, you know, can you use him more like a traditional reliever in the playoffs or is he going to be reserved for um, more of that two or three inning duty? And so that's kind of the stuff that the twins are going to be looking at and that kind of as a fan, you should be looking at um, so that you're kind of knowing what the twins are planning on here. Um, to that same extent with the bullpen, um, as I kind of view it now, I'm going to assume the twins are going to take 11 pitchers for the wild card series. It's mm-hmm. only three games. You only need three starters. You shouldn't need a lot of relievers. And so with that, then you have the three starters and Lopez, Gray and Ryan who will start those games. Yep. And then you have eight bullpen spots. And so locked into those are, uh, Duran, Jax, Pagan, Thielbar, Varland, Maeda. So that's six guys that mm-hmm. I pretty confidently say, unless there's an injury, they're 100% on the roster. Right. So that leaves, uh, what, two spots then for some combination of Chris Paddock, uh, Brock Stewart, Jorge Alcala, Cody Funderburk, and Dylan Floro. Mm-hmm. Of those, I think the best bets and probably what the Twins would prefer would be Chris Paddock and Brock Stewart. Unfortunately, those guys are both coming off of injuries and have not pitched in major i mean chris paddock hasn't pitched in a major league game since may of last year and brock stewart i think since like june of this year and so or maybe july so uh they both had rehab assignments brock stewart has pitched in two or three games in st paul st paul's season is over um and so they have to make the decision if they're going to add him to the roster and get him some more game work between now and uh the playoffs next week but obviously if those two can go i think those are um, the options that they'd like, but John, what are your thoughts on, you know, kind of those last two spots in the bullpen? Yeah. I mean, if you're, if you're picking between those five players, um, I probably go with Paddock and Stewart. Alcala just doesn't make a ton of sense because he's looked um, good, but he just hasn't, he's looked good in AAA, but he right. didn't pitch well in the majors. This and that's, year. that's the problem, right? Like yeah. he hasn't shown it in the majors, um, this season. Floro's kind of a really stable guy, but because he's used in, basically mop up duty at this point. Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, yeah, he's, he's pitched a little bit more in the past couple games in, in like where he's trying to preserve a win, but that's just not Floro's. um, That's not his game. So I I don't think it makes sense for him to be on the team. Funderburg. I think it's only if they really want a lefty specialist, Um, which I mean, like once you get, once you get past steel bar it's like well you know that for the most part Duran and Jax can go against um can go against uh the opposite handed guys yeah right like that's kind of what they're designed to do and varlin um, too with that cutter varlin too yeah. yeah varlin too can can kind of compete in in those spots as well so yeah uh, you don't necessarily need the specialist as much at this point uh because of who you already have in your bullpen so i think that means that they go with paddock and stewart i just I mean, I don't know what to what to say about Paddock because he still hasn't made a major league appearance. Yeah, um, he almost made one today, obviously, but it, it didn't happen. And who knows when he's going to go next? Because he technically already fully warmed up today. Um, yeah. He probably doesn't go on Tuesday, so they only have maybe two opportunities to see him. Yeah, pitch. maybe given maybe get him on Wednesday and get him on Sunday, something like that. You know, yeah. try to get him two spots. But exactly. Yeah, it, it's tight. But yeah, like you said, both those guys are coming back from injury. Um, it, yeah. it's not the most ideal guys to pick, but at least it's kind of your last two spots. Like, right. it, yes, they're important spots, but they're not necessarily going to be like the guys that you have to rely on. 
uh, when push comes to shove. Right. I mean, obviously, if Brock Stewart comes back and looks like he did in the first half, then that's your second best reliever, probably. Yeah. But the good news is the Twins are in a position now with uh, Jack's pitching better, Pagan pitching better, Thielbar pitching better, Varland pitching great out of the bullpen. That if he's not, that's okay. And so if he's just a good filler mid-level reliever instead of the eighth inning guy um I, I don't think that's the end of the world obviously they would love if he is but yeah. again it's one of those things where you're going to probably get him into max two games this week and so mm-hmm. how much do you trust a guy that you can only get into two games and um i think if they get beyond this round and you know you maybe get a blowout game where you need to save the bullpen arms maybe that's where you look at different guys like winder or sands or maybe even keichel um, just to eat some innings if necessary. Mm-hmm. But I, I think these are kind of the guys that are in contention here. Ober, I don't think is going to because nope. they're not going to use him out of the bullpen. Um, he, he's pretty firmly a starter. And so he'll, he'll likely be added if they advance, but it, it's pretty much Paddock and Stewart. And they got a lot riding on those two coming back and looking pretty good. Yeah. And again, it's only a three game series. So yeah. So it, honestly, if you use Duran in every game, that's okay. Right? Like you're, you're in a position where, this is what it all builds up to. You're not saving him for anything at this point. This is what we talked about with Buxton and him working his way back and maybe playing center field is there's nothing else to save him for at this point. And yeah. so um, Duran, if he can pitch all three games, great. Same with Jack, same with pretty much everybody. If they're feeling good, then you throw him out there. Right. Because let's be honest, it's more important for the twins to win game three than to preserve your guys for game one of the ALDS. Right. All I care about is winning game one of the wild card series. Just so just get that one win and get it done with it. Honestly, even yeah. if they lose the series, that's fine. But just win the one and then move on. Yeah. And just to get the monkey off your back. <laughs> and stop having everybody talk about it on every single everything anytime the twins make the playoffs. Yeah. <laughs> uh okay. Let's uh let's talk about some injury updates here. Um, Royce Lewis, we already talked about, like we said before, I think that's pretty much a coin flip. I don't think we're going to know anything more about Royce Lewis until the playoff rosters are announced, Mm -hmm. uh, both because I don't think the twins will know anymore and because they're going to wait till the very last minute to try to, um, you know, build him up and see if he can, uh, go. Yep. Carlos Correa, like we said, is expected to be back. Uh, he's eligible to come off, uh, in the middle of the Colorado series. Uh, so if he's feeling good, uh, I would imagine the twins bring him in then just to have him work a game or two and, uh, just make sure everything's looking good. Byron Buxton, uh, like we said before he DH today and I think it was Thursday was the other day he DH, uh, for the saints. Um, today he went 0 for four with strikeout. He did hit two balls over 95 miles an hour, which is good. A couple hard hit balls. Um, but also today was the final day for the Saints of the season. So if Byron's getting any more in-game work, uh, it'll come with the Twins. So um, again, that's one where maybe he's not activated tomorrow, but maybe, or maybe he is activated tomorrow. And then you take him off the roster before going to Colorado so you can get some more treatment. You get him into a game or two uh, in Minneapolis. And you try to do something like that. Uh, Paddock warmed up, didn't pitch. And then Alcala, Gallo, and Gordon all played in St. Paul this week. Those are all guys who are stuck on the injured list unless there's injuries and you really need them. Gallo and Gordon especially. Um, there's just not really a role for them on this team at that po- at this point. And so um, you're really only going to them if it's like, okay, Alex Kirilov got hurt and somebody, a warm body, needs to play first base. And so we're bringing back up Joe Gallo. Right. The important thing to note also is that September rosters are 28 players, but playoff rosters are 26. Right. So guys like Trevor Larnick um, and maybe Andrew Stevenson, even though they're on the roster right now, when the playoff roster comes out, 
they might not be on it. So yeah. that it makes it more challenging to add guys like Gallo and Gordon because you already have to subtract two players and then you have to move someone else. And yeah, yeah right now the team, it just doesn't look, look like that's happening. Well, and it's one thing if either of those guys were playing well, right? But neither of them really was. Um, yeah. And so the, the role that either of them would really play would be defensive sub, pinch runner, something like that. Mm -hmm. But the problem is, is that Willie Castro and Andrew Stevenson are better at both of those things than either Gallo or Gordon are. And uh, both, well, I don't know if Stevenson offers offense, but Castro obviously has the offense that comes with it. And Stevenson is was one of the best base stealers in the minors this year. Mm -hmm. And so he's someone who can, you know, really change the game if you bring him in in the ninth inning needing a run. Right. So, and I guess I should qualify. Technically, if you bring in 11 pitchers, that allows you to have 15 uh, position players. And so technically they could actually keep um, Larnick and Stevenson on the roster if they, you know, got rid of two pitchers. Yeah. But, um, I mean, yeah. that, that'll be the other thing too, is Trevor Larnick making the playoff roster, I think will depend a lot on how they feel about Buck. If mm -hmm. uh, they feel like Buck can at least DH, you know, every game or game one and game three, then maybe you don't need Larnick. But if you can't, it might just be good to have another guy who is a bat, right? He's not Andrew Stevenson, where mm -hmm. I don't think you would necessarily want Larnick in there in a big spot. But if he's pinch hitting somewhere here or there for somebody who's worse, you know, that's not the worst. Or if there's an injury replacement, you really need him. If you have 15 position players, that's kind of the luxury you have of right. uh, bringing somebody in like that. And um, right now they have, of the guys on the roster, there's 14 of them. You add Buck into there, that's your 15, essentially. Mm -hmm. So. We'll, we'll see what happens. I'm, I'm very curious to see what the Twins uh, say. Probably when we do our podcast next week, we still won't know. I think mm -hmm. you don't have to submit until, uh, what, like Monday at 3 or something like that ahead of the playoffs? Well, the game starts October Tuesday. 2nd. Is it? Wait. I think it's Tuesday. It's the 3rd. Oh, it's the 3rd. Okay. Yeah. That was the second. So, so I think it's sometime on Monday that they have to officially have their playoff rosters submitted to uh, MLB. Okay. So. Yeah. Uh, I could be wrong on that, but I'm like 90% sure that's true. Sure. Um. Yeah, there's. I mean, there's still like you know, Jordan Luplo is still on the team right now, and yeah, who don't, who knows if he stays on? And yeah, there, there's still a bunch of questions, and uh, yeah, we we might get a clearer picture next Sunday, but um, unlikely. <laughs> yeah, like I said, especially the the big questions they have left are Buck and Lewis, and both of those since they're injury related, they're both going to be getting treatment until the very last minute, testing things out, seeing if they can go. So yeah, um, yeah. So, so last, sorry, do you have something? Uh, no, I was just going to say, yeah, well, with no Twins games to really care about, um, what are other games to be caring about? <laughs> yeah, let's uh, let's talk about that. So potential uh, playoff opponents here. So we talked about this a little bit already, but the Blue Jays, two games up on the second wild card. They have an easier schedule playing the Yankees. Then they play the Rays. The Rays can go either way, depending on what that uh, situation in Baltimore is looking like at that point. Yep. Um, but I still think at this point the – Blue Jays are pretty locked into that second spot. And then the Rangers with a two-and-a-half game lead on the AL West look like they're closing in on that. Um, that division title here, meaning it's most likely the Twins face either Houston or Seattle. So as it stands right now, Fangraphs currently gives the Rangers an 82% chance to win the division. Uh, and then for the final wild card, Houston has a 60% chance and Seattle has a 44% chance. So Fangraphs like Houston a little bit more, um, I think because – they're not going to be playing as difficult of games where they get uh, three against Seattle and then three at Arizona. And by the time they get to Arizona, I think Arizona probably has their playoff spot locked up. So um, it'll be interesting to see what exactly happens here. But the problem is um, like we talked about before is all these teams are playing each other. So Texas uh, has three against the angels that they should win. And then four at Seattle, then Seattle has 
three at Houston or three at home against Houston, three or four at home against Texas. Houston has three at Seattle, three at Arizona. And so the big game to watch tomorrow during the off day, obviously will be Seattle and Houston. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. Um, again, those are the twins two most likely playoff opponents, but with all these head to head matchups, it honestly could be any three of them, right? If Seattle mm-hmm. comes into that series against Texas and takes three of four, uh, I think they win the division. And so, um, there's so much that can change. And honestly, maybe more important than the Twins games this, this week will be the games for Texas, Seattle, and Houston. Yeah. And it's one of those situations where, you know, uh, it, it's not like there's a better opponent necessarily for the Twins. Um, all three of those teams obviously have, you know, their their own uh, good and bad parts. Uh, Texas, for example, their, their, their rotation is not that hot anymore. Uh, with Max Scherzer being out for season, but that lineup can hit real well. Um, yep. It's super dangerous. Um, so that's dicey with Seattle. They've got three of really, really good pitchers, mm-hmm. um, and their bats aren't that bad either with Julio Rodriguez kind of finally regaining his stride uh, in the second half of the season, playing like the rookie of the year uh, that he was last year. And then Houston, well, we we know Houston. Uh, we faced them, was it two playoff series ago? When yeah, we were favored. 2020 or 2021, then, 2020, 2020. Yeah, and they just wrecked us. <laughs> and yeah. uh, they're still dangerous. Jordan Alvarez hasn't been that great this season, but um, he's still super dangerous in a three-game series. Alex Bregman, um, Jose Altuve, like it, he had like one of the hottest weeks uh, in baseball. Uh, he hit three homers before uh, the other team's uh, lineup <laughs> finished up uh, their first, yeah. first round through the order. So, um, yeah, that team is also super scary. And even though the pitching is not that great, they still have one of the better pitchers uh, in the majors in Frambert Baltes as well. And then, you know, Justin Verlander just loves killing the twins whenever he has the opportunity. So, um, yeah. yeah. The, uh, the good news is the twins played all these teams this year and played them all well. Um, Houston, they even played well before they got good in the second half. Mm -hmm. And so um, it's, you know, not the end of the world, but again, that game one matchup with Frambert Valdez is, uh, a little bit scary for a team missing, you know, one of their key right-handed bats. Yeah. Uh, he's one of the best pitchers in baseball already. And then the twins who've been better in the second half against lefties, but still aren't great. Um, it's a little bit concerning, but yeah, they went uh, this season, they went four and two against Houston. Uh, the twins did. They went three and three, I believe against Toronto. If they end up playing Toronto, they went four and three against or three and four against Seattle and then the final team here, Texas, they went five and two, right? Yeah. And so they've played them all well. They've got there's not like one of these teams that dominated them. The closest thing they had was Max Scherzer dominating the twins in the two games he started against mm-hmm. them. And well, Max Scherzer's out now. So yeah. um Jordan Montgomery, their lefty, if you're scared of lefties, they hit really well in both starts yep. uh, against Jordan Montgomery. And so the twins, I think just for for my sake, I think I would prefer if they don't play Houston just because Houston has so much playoff success and you know, kind of the winning atmosphere that they have over there in October. I mean, another great example of that was 2020 where they played 500 ball. It was a 60-game season, but still they played 500 ball and then went to the World Series at the end of it all. And mm-hmm. so, um, you know, with Houston, you just don't really want to face them in October. And so I'll take Seattle or Texas over them. Texas, I think, is still my dream matchup because of that bullpen that's prone to implode at any given moment and the mm-hmm. twins hit them particularly very well in their games against them it's anytime you have a shaky bullpen like that i think uh keeps the game a little more interesting even if the game uh gets out of hand early yeah the only nice thing about seattle is that no lefty pitchers <laughs> so yeah 
That's true. <laughs> there's there's starting uh, rotations, all righties. Yeah. Much like the Twins. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But uh, yeah, they, they have the strength of the starting pitching. Texas has the strength of the hitting. Houston is just pretty good at everything. I wouldn't say this year they're great necessarily at any mm-hmm. one thing. Uh, but you know, they're, they're all good in different ways. And I think either way, any of these three series, I still take the twins. Yeah. Um, and again, there is still a very slight 0.5% chance that the twins get the number two seed, but I really don't see how that happens. So, I mean, honestly, just for the sake of winning some playoff games, I would almost, almost prefer if it doesn't just cause you have a better chance sure. at home, all three games at home, you know? And yeah. so, um, just again, if only for the sake of getting that monkey off your back, but in a three game series, literally anything can happen. Like the mm-hmm. Royals sweeping the Astros. Right. And exactly. so, I mean, that's another reason why maybe Houston wouldn't be the end of the world. Cause they're playing their worst ball of the season right now, essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's kind of rough when you get swept by the Royals. Yeah. I mean, the twins wouldn't know anything about that. Right. Oh yeah, it's true. That's never happened to us. <laughs> what was it back, back in August? I think, I think right, the, yeah. the sky was falling because they uh, blew three games against the Royals. Yeah. So, uh, all right, quick look ahead to this week. They got three versus Oakland and then three at Colorado to uh, end the year. That first game, I think Joe Ryan is scheduled to pitch. So uh be interesting to see his uh, home run issue if that pops back up in Denver. <laughs> so uh, yeah, so some good things to watch for this week. None of it really being the outcomes of Twins games, but keep your eyes on that AL West race on what's going on. And uh, again, just the usage of the Twins players and what's happening here. Um, plenty of guys will get time off, but... Uh, yeah, everybody stay healthy, please. For the love of God, when we're talking about this next week, don't let there be any more injuries. Yeah, uh, and let's hope that uh, the guys who are hurt uh, are healing up quick. Yeah, Matt Walner got hit on the foot by a pitch today, and uh, I think it's Donovan Solano and uh, Kyle Farmer got hit yesterday. Stop hitting our guys. Just don't do it. I would appreciate it if you didn't. Uh, it's like uh, Buxton in 2020 got hit in the head with a pitch right before the playoffs. Oh, yeah. Great. Awesome. Let's not do that, please. Yeah. It'd be, it'd be, it'd be good if we could, uh, get in. I mean, we, we talked about this, what, two, three weeks ago, we were, the twins were at the healthiest that they could be. And then of course the all, well then, and then the, and then the sky fell just a tiny bit. So it'd be honestly, nice if the sky stopped falling just a little bit. Honestly, if I could, I would take every single key player, Max Kepler, Julian Polanco, anybody who matters, they're on the IL like <laughs> for the rest of the way. And, <laughs> Uh, or maybe they're not on the IL, but you find some like way to keep them out of the lineup. Yeah. It's like, we're having nine pitchers on the roster and we're signing all of these minor league guys to contracts to fill it out. And I mean, that was, that was the that fun way. times when you could bring up all 40 players, right? I know you legitimately could have none of your playoff guys starting just to keep them healthy. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it is what it is. I mean, let right. Arise what twisted his ankle because the lights falling, were turned, da- falling down the stairs. Right. Like, yeah. And the Literally lights were turned off in his stadium. Right. So, you know, freak stuff happens let's just hope none of that happens to those wins yeah and uh byron buxton i would expect him to get in some games this week too uh maybe even get an inning or two in center field you never know i think the twins would still like to use him there in some capacity because again you're not saving him for anything at this point this mm-hmm. is what you've been saving him for so if he can run if he can play defense or maybe not even in center you throw him in left or right but we'll see what happens it's uh it's an exciting time i'm really pumped this time next week we'll be talking about uh playoff eve so yeah it'll, it'll be a it'll be a fun cap to a regular season and then a good look forward to the postseason 
Yeah, definitely. All right. So let's close things out there. Uh, be sure to check out our other work. You can check out my stuff at Twinkie Town if you want some more Twins coverage. I'm working on some playoff previews. Um, I'm debating whether or not I'm just going to post a giant one with all three or wait until we figure out who it is. But either way, I'll have you covered there. And uh, yeah, we got we got some really fun stuff working for the playoffs, which I'm, I'm pumped about. Uh, and then you can hear John at Pitcher List as well for fantasy baseball needs. Now that fantasy baseball is basically over, do you guys still do the podcast? What do you talk about? Uh, I think we're giving out our fantasy awards at the end of the season for nice. uh, this upcoming weekend. So, um, I mean, let's be honest, it's it's not really that exciting. I mean, the Cy Young is going to be, well, probably actually won't be Blake Snell because his whip was probably destroying some of your roster. Yeah. But, um, yeah, well, that that's what we're going to be probably recapping over on that podcast. And um, then, yeah, we'll be pretty much signing off for the next few months until we start until draft season starts again. So that'll be exciting. Yeah. All right. Good stuff there. Um, you can follow us on X slash Twitter. You can follow John at the John cut and myself at Ben Jones underscore five, and be sure to uh, follow the podcast as well at twins talk pods. John, I have an unfortunate story here uh, at minute uh, hour 15 of our podcast, which oh, is no. I was seeing if we could purchase the twins talk.com URL. Oh yeah. And uh, first of all, it's for sale for $6,000. So not be buying that. Okay. Second, uh, the way it is presented on the thing to potentially buy it, mm-hmm. they frame it as twinstock.com. And I'm oh, like, no. uh-oh, oh, no. I didn't even realize that that's how you could uh, say our name. So <laughs> uh, maybe we'll use a different sort of URL if we end up getting a website. Oh, that that would be, um, well, we're on x.com. So I guess we can't really get that much worse. <laughs> yeah, we're, uh, we're playing into the brand at this point. This is what Elon is pushing us all towards. <laughs> Um, okay. Again, be sure to like and follow the podcast. Leave us a five-star rating. We always appreciate that. And uh, like we said, we'll be back next week to uh, preview the playoffs. Until then, go Twins. Go Twins.